0: You know, today I want to talk to you about how to live a life of excellence. Now, a lot of people, when they hear that, they think, well, that means a perfect life. No, it means being the best you can be at what you do every single moment that you come into, that you have an opportunity to do something good. And I I thought about this. I thought, what if I would just say, I want to do one thing today, the very best I can do it. Instead of saying everything I do is going to be excellent, what if I just picked out one thing? said, I'm going to do that the very best I can. I'm going to push just a little bit harder. I'm going to think a little bit longer. I'm going to act or react in such a way that's going to demonstrate excellence in that moment. I, I, I venture to say that that would absolutely be a game changer in your life. Because I think so much of the things that we do, we do by just routine we go through those motions, and we think, well, I, you know, I know what I'm doing, I know my job. Yes, but are you doing your job the very best you can do it? And if you challenge yourself, I want you to see there's gonna be some great benefits. As I began to look into the scripture, and I thought about, well, what would it take to do uh, and to live an excellent life? And I think the first thing is this, you have to exceed expectations. You know, there are expectations we all have on one another on employees, on our boss, or on anyone else. And what would happen if you'd say, I want to go beyond that. I want to go beyond that. We're doing a little bit of construction in our house and uh, in the backyard, and and I, I looked out, and there was three workers, and two of them were really exceeding expectations. And one of them was on his phone. And he was on his phone, and he was on his phone while the other guys were working. And I thought, here's a guy who needs this message. Amen? (laughs) Have you ever been that guy, that girl, that just someone watched and said, I wish they'd push a little harder? We're trying to work hard and set the example, and yet they're not catching it. They're not catching it. Well, let me give you an example from the Sermon on the Mount, Luke chapter 6, one way you can exceed expectations. It begins with these words, Love your enemies. Did we start out tough enough or not? Right? I like the idea. I think God could have maybe made it easier if he just said, love the ones that you love. Love your family if you like them. Even love your strange uncle at Christmas time. But no, he says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. And so what Jesus is doing, he's introducing this kingdom mindset that is so radical in any day that immediately you step back and you say, well, I can't love all of my enemies, can I? Well, I'm just reading what the scripture says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. And what he's doing is he's setting the standard so high that he knows we can't do it apart from him. See, there's no way that that works apart from God. Because there's something inside of us that says our enemy is our enemy and we want to destroy him or we want to get even or we want to do something with him. And yet, you know, when you operate in that mindset, you're operating outside of the kingdom of God and you can't experience the fullness of God. You have to operate within it. Now, let me just say this parenthetically that loving your enemies doesn't mean you agree with your enemies. It doesn't mean that you try to do something to change the course of what's happening, for example, and we talk about Prop 1. What it does mean is I'm going to love the person and realize the behavior is something that needs to be transformed. And I can't transform them if I hate them, right? If I don't bless them in some way. You see, when I bless someone, you know what it immediately does? It reminds me who is the blesser, God, I have been blessed. Would any of you agree that that there's something in your life that maybe is not quite perfect? Anybody? Just raise your hand if you you can find that in your life. Okay, now look at the rest of the perfect people that didn't raise their hand. We are so blessed here at Influence Church to have perfect people. I'm kidding, of course. but, But the idea is this, that don't judge someone based on your strength. See, I don't do that. Well, that's fine, but and therefore I'm not tempted. Well, yeah, but but they do that, but you're not tempted by it, and so you judge them for that. No, he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Do you know what happens when you pray for somebody you're mad at? God gets in the middle of it. You go like, you know, God, and the psalmists are great at this. If you ever read the psalms, they, you know, a lot of the psalms start out where, you know, I... I I pray that you would just destroy my enemies and and grind their their bones into dust and may all their children grow up ugly. I mean, those there's some psalms kind of like that. And then you get about eight verses into it, and he says, Well, God, you know, maybe you could just change them or give me strength. You see, prayer has a way of purifying your heart. It has a way of directing your mind and your will in the direction it should go. When you don't pray, you can stay angry. When you don't pray, you cannot forgive people. And did you know that forgiveness is about you, never about them? A lot of people say, I'm not going to forgive them ever. Well, you've just put a death sentence on you. You see, forgiveness is about you being transformed and not being held captive by what they did or what they said. In fact, the word, it, it, has, a, it has a preposition and it means to throw away from you. So forgiveness is something you cast off from you. If you don't, it's going to hold you in and destroy you. And then look at this illustration. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer him also the other. And you're thinking, not on your life. When we were first pastoring in Louisiana, there was a young guy who came to faith in Christ. He was a star football player, had a a twin brother, and he got saved and his twin brother didn't. And he came in one day and his face was all red and I said, what happened? He said, well, you know, my brother's not a Christian. I said, I know. And he said, we got in a little argument there, and, uh, and he, he slapped me across the face. And I said, well, why is the other side of your face red? He said, well, I said in the Bible, it says, turn the other cheek, and he slapped me there too. I said, what'd you do? He said, I beat him up. In Jesus' name, of course. But it, it's, it's trying to, to, to make a point here. It's not literally trying to talk about the slapping on the face. It's trying to say that, that don't be offended If you're going to live a life of excellence, an offended person never lives an excellent life. A person who hates never lives an excellent life. A person who curses and doesn't bless never lives an excellent life. This is about you living an excellent life. Notice what else it says. And to him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic as well. In other words, somebody takes something from you, you say, well, why don't you go ahead and take this also? Now, sometimes we do that a little bit smart aleck, you know. Have you ever, anybody here, anybody practice that fine art of being a smart aleck? I'm pretty good at it. I'll be honest with you. And I have to hold back. Sometimes my wife says, I can't believe what you said today at church. And I said, Tammy, you have no idea what I'm holding back. (laughs) I just like, there's something wrong inside of me. I mean, this is just, I need more redemption. But then look at this next one. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Hmm. How do you want to be treated? Treat people like that. Are you treating people like that? Well, I can think sometimes I haven't. And it never works out well. Have you ever noticed that? You say, well, I tried to love them. They didn't love me back. So keep loving them. Well, I prayed for them, and they won't pray for me. Keep praying for them. Well, I asked for their forgiveness, and and they were really the guilty ones, and they didn't ask for it back. That's okay. It's about you. Forgiveness is about you becoming a person of excellence. You see, what you have to learn how to do is do the unexpected. Have you ever been in those situations? I remember I bought a brand-new truck. I had my buddy uh, in the the front seat with me, and uh, we were coming through an intersection, and a girl ran a light, slammed into the little truck, and totaled it. It just gone, just like that quick. And I got out, everybody was fine, and she's apologizing, and I said, hey, it's just, it's, just, it's just a car. It's not a big deal. And she was just overwhelmed by the fact that I wasn't offended, mad, hurt, whatever about what she did. And I, and I thought to myself, well, it's just a piece of machinery. You see, everything you own is just stuff. And if you put value in it, And if you put ownership on it, you're going to find ways to be offended in your life, and you won't live an excellent life. You know, there's a a comment we make about going the extra mile. Well, that's actually found in Matthew's account of this very same scripture, where it says, if someone asks you to carry their pack one mile, carry it also a second mile. So that little idiom we use today of going the extra mile actually comes from the New Testament times. And here's what Jesus says in that passage in Matthew. He said, if someone asked you to carry it a mile, carry it a second mile. Now, what you don't understand in that scripture is the history and the law of the day. If a Roman soldier approached you with his backpack, which typically weighed about 100 pounds in that day, and said to you, carry my backpack a mile, you were obligated under Roman law to carry that backpack one mile. At the end of the mile, which they consider to be a 1,000 paces, you could drop the backpack, and he could enlist someone else. But if you said, I'll carry it a second mile for you, you did the unexpected, and then that person said, why would you do that? And then you have an opportunity to talk to them about the Lord. You see, if you don't go the extra mile, if you don't do the unexpected, you cut off opportunity to talk about the Lord Jesus and the difference he makes in your life. You have to live this life of excellence by doing the unexpected. And if we begin to think about this, what else would, would help me live a life of excellence? It's stand out in a crowd. And I don't mean because you're very tall. I don't mean you have to make a lot of noise and get the attention. What I mean, there has to be something different about you. I want to take you to the book of Daniel, chapter 5 and verse 12, and let me set up the story as we're preparing to read that. So in Daniel chapter 1, Nebuchadnezzar has come in, and he's taken captive all these young Jewish men back. The best and the brightest have now gone back to Babylon. Daniel's one of them. Daniel is in captivity. He's been separated from friends and family, and yet God is going to use him in a remarkable way because there was found in him, the Bible says, an excellent spirit. Let me read it to you. It says in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 12, Inasmuch an excellent spirit, was in this Daniel, Knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, explaining enigmas were found in Daniel. All of a sudden, Daniel began to stand out among all the others. They said, who is this Daniel? And they noticed that there was an excellent spirit in him. Did you know you have a human spirit and you have a soul and you have a body? You see, you're a tripart being, body, soul, and spirit. Now what happens at salvation is your spirit comes alive by the Holy Spirit. So when you you say, well, what happens at salvation, or how do I come to faith in Christ? Well, the Bible says, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I will be saved. Okay, what happens in that moment? In that moment, you become the temple of the living God, in the sense that God's Holy Spirit comes to live within you. Now, you can go look in a mirror and say, I don't look any different. You may not sound any different, but I guarantee you, you'll start acting different because the Spirit of God is in you. You see, you attract excellence with excellence. When you live a life of excellence, people of excellence will be attracted to you. You see, like attracts like, right? And so you want to say, okay, if I live the very best life I can, if I I operate this way, what's that going to, what's going to happen to me? Well, you're gonna attract people. You know the word excellence is an interesting word because it means a cliff that juts out. So if you've ever been up in the mountains and you see, wow, look at that cliff. It's just kind of jutting out. It stands out. That's what excellence means. That's the root word of it. But there's another word, mediocre. Mediocre means halfway up the mountain. That's how far I wanna go, right? No, you wanna go all the way up. You wanna jut out. You wanna stand out. So never be satisfied with mediocrity. Always say, I'm going to strive for excellence. I'm going to try to hit the highest mark I possibly can. And remember, it pays back in two ways. Number one, you excel in what you do and the influence you have, but you also have opportunity for the kingdom of God. You see, what excellence does, it positions you for tomorrow. You say, well, I did all this great stuff. I worked hard today, and no one noticed. Keep doing it. Stay to the, to the game. Don't let it up a minute. Just say, I'm just going to keep being faithful, faithful, faithful. Do you know what God rewards in the eternal kingdom more than anything else? Faithfulness. In fact, he uses a term of a galley slave. He said, moreover, it's required of a servant that he be found faithful. And that word faithful there and servant, when they're tied together, it's a reference to a third-tier galley slave on a Roman ship. Now, how'd you like to be in the lowest tier and your job all day long was to pull an oar? That's all you gotta do. Not looking for creative guys. Not looking for smart ones. Just pull your oar. Pull your oar. You know, the creative guy shears off everybody else's oars in the process. No, pull your oar. Pull your oar. Moreover, it's required of a servant to be found faithful. See, God said, are you pulling your oar? Are you doing what I've asked you to do in the kingdom of God? That's all he asks. Just do what I ask you to do. Be faithful at it. You may have heard the story of the Roman uh, ship that the the guy that was in charge of the whip, he came down and he said to the men, I've got good news and bad news today, gentlemen. And they said, well, what's the good news? Well, the emperor's on board today. What's the bad news? He wants to water ski. All right, it wasn't that great. Daniel chapter six, verse three. Some of you just now getting it. All right. Then this Daniel... This Daniel, notice, there are others named Daniel. No, this Daniel over here distinguished himself above all the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was found in him. There it is again. Ask yourself right now, do I have an excellent spirit? Am I allowing the spirit of God to live in me and move through me? Am I doing the very best I can with what I have? And He says, was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Imagine that you're doing such a great job that your boss says, you know what, I think you could take my place. Your boss says, you know, I think you could get in a promotion. I think you could get an advancement. I can't believe how hard you work, how well you work. You know, my wife and I went out last night to celebrate our anniversary and, and uh, had a great time. She put on the wedding dress. I should have brought a picture of that, and we could have shown it. Uh, we might be able to get it by the end of the service here. But uh, the dress fit perfectly, And I sent that picture to a couple of people. They said, where's your tuxedo? And I said, well, it was horrid, first of all. And it was a rental. You know, it was had the big, remember the ones with the fluffy and the puffy sleeves? And you know, it just, it was wrong. Some things are just wrong. But I don't even know where I was now. I'm so confused. I am so confused. I really don't. I know where I was. I thought about it. Give me a hand for coming back, all right? All right. So the waitress was excellent, and we've been there before. She knew what we wanted, and I thought, you know, it's amazing how a waiter, a waitress can stand out in a crowd. And what are they there to do? Serve. What do you put on planet Earth to do? Serve the king. Serve the king. Are you standing out? Are you staying out in the crowd? I love Proverbs chapter 22 and 29. It says, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. See, God recognizes this in Proverbs. When you do a great job, you're going to to get in association with people who are influential like kings. When you do a great job, I'm going to thrust you forward in what you do. You say, well, I don't see any way that can happen. Trust me. Trust me. When God does something, it'll be quick. It'll be unexpected. It'll be so sudden you're going, that's amazing what God did. And then that way God gets the glory. You might have a path of success that you're plotting for yourself, but I guarantee you God has a better one. Commit your way into the Lord, and he will make sure your route I mean, just let God be in control of your life. God, I'm going to be faithful, do the best I can. I'm going to honor you in everything I do. And God, I want you to take me to the level that you want me to go to. And always be content wherever you are. See, that's also another thing that we could mark down for excellence just finding contentment. There's a contentment saying, God, I'm going to do the best I can, but I'm content. I'm not unhappy, I'm not complaining. You know, we've all been around people who just all they you're just afraid to ask them, how you doing? How you doing? Oh, no, I forget. Can I withdraw that question? Right? I was thinking we ought to start a, uh, you know, a community group with people with grumbling attitudes um, and just get them all in one room together, see how they do. Honestly, I don't think we have people like that here at Influence, amen? I think we have people that are positive. And excited, and enthusiastic, and that's the third thing I want to tell you. If you're going to live a life of excellence, you have to be enthusiastic. Now, some of you say, "Well, I'm just not that wired that way." I, well, I'm not. I'm going to show you something a little different. The word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word entheos. Now, listen to this, which means "God within." The happiest, most interesting people are those who have found the secret of maintaining their enthusiasm, and that is God in you. You know, next time someone says, Well, you're very enthusiastic, you say, That's because God's in me. And you say, What? They'll go, What? Yeah, God is in me. That's where that word comes from. In theos, in meaning the preposition in, theos from theology, God in you. When God is in you, you should be enthusiastic. The most enthusiastic people in the room ought to be the people who've known God the longest because you've had more time to appreciate and to see his hand and to love him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Let me show you something about the Holy Spirit in John 14. John 14, verses 15 and 17. And by the way, some of you uh, don't know, but if you go, if you download the church app, all these notes are in the app under the sermon, and you can literally look at all the notes. All the scriptures are there for you. You can even take notes as I preach, if you'd like to, and send those to someone else. But John chapter 14, 15 through 17, if you love me. Now imagine, he's talking to people who are following him who've left everything. Do you love me? If God asked you this question, do you love me, what would you say? Well, oh, of course I love the Lord. You know, he asks to this one time, do you love me, Peter? And he said, and, and, and Jesus uses, the Greek words are a little bit broader. So he says, Peter, do you agape me? And that's the, the highest love, the love of God. And Peter responds, Jesus, you know that I phileo you. That means brotherly love. And Jesus asks a second time, but Peter, do you agape me? And he said, Jesus, you know I phileo you. Jesus asks a third time, Peter, do you phileo me? He says, you know I phileo you. He, see, Jesus understood in that moment that he couldn't quite grasp what that highest agape love was at that moment. So what did Jesus do? He came down to where Peter was, and he said, okay, do you really love me that way? And he said, I really do love you that way. But there would come a time when the Holy Spirit would come upon Peter and he would be a totally different person. Let me show you this. John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. How do I prove I love God? I don't prove I love God by simply going to church or saying I love God. I prove that I love God by keeping his commandments. And he says, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now remember, this is before Pentecost before the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. For those of you who may not understand that, we can help you understand that as time goes on here. But another helper, that he may abide with you forever. So how long is this helper going to be with you? One word starts with the letter F. Can you say it out loud? Forever. So the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you. This is good news. The spirit of truth. What kind of uh, spirit is he? Truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. So before he came to indwell, he was always, you see, because it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity of God. So Holy Spirit wasn't just created at the day of Pentecost for the church, he always was. In fact, we read in John, in Genesis chapter one, the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the deep, right? And God said, let there be light and there was light. You see, the Spirit of God was there. But he said, there's coming a moment when the Holy Spirit is not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. He's going to come inside of you. You're going to be the temple of the living God. Look what it says here in John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. You know, you know why you can have joy? The Holy Spirit in you. See what it says? My joy's in you. So I'm not having a very good day. Do you have joy though? Do you know you can have a bad day and have joy? Because joy's on the inside. It's Him, it's the Holy Spirit. He said, My joy might remain in you that your joy might be what? Full, bursting from every aspect of your life, joyful. You can be going through difficult times and be joyful. You can be going through tragedy and be joyful in your spirit, even though in your mind, and your soul, you're grieving other things. Why? Let's look at John 16, 13. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. How are you going to know the truth? Did you know that prayer is not ever said to be the way you find truth? It's always the word of God. He always points you back. He's going to lead you. You see, the spirit of God, when he comes, he will lead you into all truth. Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, my word is truth. So he's going to lead you to the word of God. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Wow. Do you realize the Holy Spirit does more than just bring joy, bring life, more than bringing truth you realize he's also a revealer of things to come do you remember when i read my bible and and i've just finished uh, doing a study on the book of revelation chapter by chapter on his glory with pastor dave scarlet and, uh, and 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 so we're reading it and as you're reading it the holy spirit's speaking and he's revealing and i and i i i'm constantly amazed in in my teaching that things I had not prepared for, did not see it before that, Holy Spirit was revealing as I was teaching it. You know why? He revealed things to come. That's why whenever you're facing any kind of decision in life, you always, the first thing you should always do is say, number one, what does the Bible have to say, if anything, about this subject? What does wise counsel tell me about this subject? What is the Holy Spirit revealing about this subject? And then wait and listen to the voice of God, amen? Now, let me give you some life applications, here's three. And I think if you put these into play, they're gonna really help you live a life of excellence. First one, exceed expectations every day. Every day, just say, I'm gonna at least one thing in my life, I'm gonna exceed everyone's expectations. I'm gonna blow them away with the wow factor. Number two, be enthusiastic. Nobody wants to see a mopey, frowny person. They're just not in high demand today. Right? Have you ever said that? I love being around them. Why? Well, they're just depressed all the time and, you know, and griping and moaning. And I, just, I don't know. They're just something that brings life to me when I see people like that. No. Why do you want to be around? I don't know. They're just like always up, excited, enthusiastic. Be that person. Now, you may not be the bubbly, you know, outgoing, you know, kind of person, but guess what? You can take every, everybody can take it up a notch. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I can take it up a notch. Oh, that was about as enthusiastic I've ever heard. Amen? Let's try it one more time. Let's look at your neighbor with enthusiasm. Say, I can take it up a notch. You know, I believe you, I believe you got it. I believe you got it that time. And then here's the last one. B. Be supernaturally natural. And why do I say that? Because I'm trying to tell you not to be weird. (laughs) You know, some Christians just go on weirdo. I don't know what... I've had people talk to me and I go, I don't even know where they're going. And I know I don't want to go there with them. I mean, it's just like super weird. Be supernatural. That means let the Holy Spirit work in you, but be natural. Be real. Be sincere. Be vulnerable. Be be you know, be creative in those moments and, and, and allow God to work through you you know sometimes people refuse to talk about anything but what they want to talk about no you got to be supernatural natural go down that road a little while with them and then try to steer the ship back into something about God there's some guys all they know is golf they can't talk about anything but golf you know the only time they ever talk about God is when you know they got a hole in one and God must have helped them Hey, nothing wrong with talking about golf. Nothing wrong with talking about sports. But I want you to know, balance that out with the talk about God. Amen? Be enthusiastic. Exceed people's expectations. Let your light be seen by all and honor the Lord Jesus. Let's stand together as we pray. Heavenly Father, as we stand before you, Father, we stand as people who are loving you, Father. We're blessing you. That, there we go. I got interrupted. All right, everybody look. Oh, there's a picture. That's sad. Not the one on the, the one on the left is good. The one on the right, I'm not, I'm a little worried about. Look at that. I Tell you that, that's, that's a handsome couple right there, I gotta say. All right, I think we've done enough damage for the day. I think my wife looks good at that dress. What do you think? All right? Yeah. All right. I'd marry you again. Brownie point. All right, I'm gonna try praying again. Are we done playing tricks on the pastor now? All right, okay. Father, as we pray, God, we we just pray that we can be people of excellence and that we bring forth our excellence so that you might receive the glory. We might receive the benefit here on earth of doing the very best we can with what we have. Father, we know that you sent the very best that you had, your only son, Jesus, who lived a life of excellence, who died on a cross, but death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. But he rose from the dead victorious over sin, hell, and the devil. And now sits at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us that we might be your children. If you haven't received Christ today, I ask you right now, receive Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so as to be saved. I'm going to give you a prayer. You could pray this prayer right where you stand or sit. Dear Lord Jesus, just pray it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. By faith, I receive you today as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you you prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand with us today? Just raise your hand. God bless you, all of you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.